I'd like to turn your attention to Matthew, the sixth chapter and the 33rd verse, a verse that I know that I have ministered from this pulpit uh, prior. I would imagine I've even mentioned this multiple times because I go to this, I seem to be drawn to this verse by the Spirit quite a bit. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I refer to this verse as my life verse because it is, it really explains the passion that I have for seeing the kingdom expanded. When we, when we think of the kingdom, uh, in the Word of God, it's a major biblical doctrine. The terms kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven, uh, they're really the same thing. It's, it's speaking of the same thing. Now, when you're reading in the book of Matthew, you will, you will read kingdom of heaven much more. There are a few times in, in Matthew that, that is referred to as the kingdom of God. But mainly it's the kingdom of heaven because of how the Jews uh, did not just casually, verbally speak God. When we're speaking about the, the kingdom, we're speaking about the king's domain. I believe that it is time for the church to pursue kingdom alignment. When we think about the kingdom... Psalms 145 and 13 explains to us how the kingdom is eternal. Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. Now, there's much said in the Word of God about the church, and much should be said about the church. After all, um, Jesus Christ purchased the church with his own blood. But we need to remind ourselves that the church is temporary. There was a birth date of the church, we know that well, in the second chapter of the book of Acts. And then, of course, the church will have an exit date, and that will be the rapture of the church. But I believe that it's significant how in the New Testament, the kingdom is spoken of over 160 times, or around 160 times. The church, 80 times, and Israel, around 12. Also, being that we're just a few uh, weeks removed from Easter, we know that after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he spent 40 days with his disciples, and it says very clearly that he was teaching them about the kingdom. Now, whenever we are speaking tonight about the kingdom, there are many kingdom subtopics that we could go to, but I would like to focus our attention on this one, kingdom entry, kingdom entry, entering the kingdom. What does it take to enter the kingdom? Now, I believe that there is definitely a certain kingdom call that is going forth today for all of those who will listen to the call, who will tune their spiritual ears. In the Bible, it talks about he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. 
I believe that there is a definite kingdom call that is happening in these days. When we speak about kingdom entry, it will be no surprise to anyone who has been a member of this apostolic church or any apostolic church for any amount of time that the first thing I would talk about, the, the first point I would make would be that we must be born again if we're going to enter into the kingdom. John 3 and 5 says it clearly. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. If we would want to think about the verses in the New Testament, Gospels in particular, dealing with entry into the kingdom of God, then we would note that chronologically, John 3 would precede any other scripture speaking of entering the kingdom of God. So we see that water and spirit birth is very important. Being born of the water and of the spirit is not just a Pentecostal thing. This is not just something that a bunch of Pentecostals are are hung up on. This is this is a Bible thing. This is a Bible doctrine. This is um, a kingdom. This is speaking of entering the kingdom of God. John 3 is a very important chapter, and I know that, that just a few services ago, Pastor was pointing this out. So I will just briefly mention this point. Now, you say John 3 to many people, and they immediately think John 3.16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, should not perish, but have everlasting life. But let's not limit our understanding or our focus of John 3 to just verse 16 and, and skip over everything that preceded this. We, we need to understand that it's very important that we're born again of water and spirit. We also need to understand that when John 3.16 was dealing with, uh, with believing in Jesus, that those that do believe should, they, they should, it does not say they shall. And then if we want to expand belief even further than that, we would see that Mark 16.16 16 clearly says, He that believeth, and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. We would also read in John 7, verses 37 through 39, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. We, we must understand that believing is not followed with shall, but believing is, is followed with should. They should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So I could spend a lot of time on this point. 
you would know whenever I even mentioned that we were going to talk about kingdom entry, you would know that this would be a scripture that we would be dealing with. So my point with that is simply this, and I'll move on to the next one. Uh, My point is, whatever the Bible says about being born again of water, how did they do it? What was the mode? Um, How did they go about that? What did they say? Look at every example in the Word of God of where someone was baptized or born of water, and then look at every place where they were born of the Spirit. What happened? How did we know? How did they respond? Uh, What was spoken? Uh, What were they challenged to do? When they yielded to the Spirit, what happened? We must understand that if we're going to talk about kingdom entry, we will first speak of being born again. Unfortunately, that's where many apostolics stop. When, when we think of being born into the kingdom or entering the kingdom, we usually stop right there. But there's much more to be considered uh, in regard to entering the kingdom of God. So let's move to our second one and see how righteousness is connected to kingdom entry. Matthew 5 and 20. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. What this was saying was this. The letter of the law is not enough. The letter of the law is not enough. He was saying, except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. The scribes and Pharisees were so, so serious about the letter of the law, but they violated the spirit of the law. And so what Jesus was saying was, This is not just about answering the letter of the law. We must go to the spirit of the law. So we see that in in chapter 5, how Jesus uh, consistently said, he repeatedly started taking it apart because he would say, you have heard it said, but I say. You have heard it said, but I say. In other words, he was saying, What you have heard said is not enough. It's not enough to just be dotting the I and crossing the T of the letter of the law. He explained it further, and not only did he explain it further, he explained it further with some pretty tough topics because he dealt with murder and anger, divorce, oaths, forgiveness, and then loving one's enemies. And each one of those, he said that you have heard it said, this is how you handle uh, murder and hate. This is how you handle divorce. This is how you handle oaths. This is how you handle all this. This is what you've heard, but I say. And he took it to the spirit of the law. And so if we are going to enter the, the kingdom of God... <clears throat> We are going to focus on not just the letter of the law, not just the list. 
major word to all who are just focused on some righteous list. That a righteous list is not enough to enter the kingdom of God. We must exceed those list people, those scribes and Pharisees, and live to the spirit of the law. But there's more in entering the kingdom of God. We also see that if we're going to enter into the kingdom, we must do the will of God. We must do the will of God. Matthew 7 and 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. So Jesus was plainly saying, just because you call me Lord does not mean you will enter into the kingdom. But you must do what, what I say. This, this takes us to the heart of the matter, the war between words and actions. That is a war that we fight. And the reality is, I'm speaking now as a 59-year-old that has been uh, brought up attending an apostolic church my entire life. The longer we're around church, the better our words can be. We know what to say. Um, it's, it's just interesting how we can have our words right but then we can stumble on the action. I have often said to people that, that words show possible intention. Possible. The reason why I say possible is because I have been connected with people that were totally deceitful, uh, that, that, that literally intended for their words to mislead. And so that's why I say that words show possible intention. It would be good for us to remind ourselves that, that a book of the Bible that, that we hold very dear along with all of them, but, but the book of Acts is, is quite a book because it, it shows us and, and brings us into the birth of the church and many other things. But let's consider the very name. It's the book of Acts. It's not the book of intentions. It's the Acts of the Apostles, not the intentions of the Apostles. And so if we're going to do His will, you say, well, what is His will? Well, for our own individual lives, we know that God's will is ever unfolding. But, but there is a will of God that any time we are operating to expand, increase, and do what, what he clearly said was his will, then we're in line with doing his will. So what am I referring to? Well, Scripture clearly says that he is not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. So any time that our actions and efforts and prayers is is about moving somebody to repentance. We're in the will of God. He said that he came to seek and save the lost. That's why he came. That's his will. So anytime we're involved with any of that, we're doing his will. He also said that he came to destroy 
the works of the devil. Anytime we are operating in a manner where we realize that through his spirit, through his power, with his direction, we literally can get involved in people's lives and we can help them toward Jesus, help them to the cross, to where they can experience the work of the cross and then walk the way of the cross, thus destroying the works of the devil. That is his will. So we must be people that, that do the will of God. We must be people who are not hearers only, but we are doers. And when we are doers, then that moves us away from the self-deception that always traps hearers only. So when we're speaking about kingdom entry, kingdom entry, we know that it includes being born again. Because the Bible clearly says that. But we know there's more than that. Because the Bible clearly tells us that righteousness deals also with kingdom entry. And then we see that doing the will of God, not just hearing the will of God, or not just being around others who are doing the will of God, we know that that deals with, with kingdom entry. But there's more. Let's deal with a couple more. The Bible tells us that we must become as a little child. We must become as a little child. Matthew 18 and 3, and said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. So the Bible is speaking about conversion. We understand conversion. We know we all must be converted. And if we're truly converted, we will turn from sin and we will actively and willingly change our attitude and conduct by the help of the Spirit. We cannot convert ourselves. But then it says that we must become converted and then become as little children. Now, here is where the uh, challenge can be for many adults. Becoming a little child. You say, well, now, hang on a second. In Paul's writing, Paul clearly said, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. True. Absolutely. But that was speaking of a different subject. I'm not, I'm not speaking about adults having a license to be immature. This is not about immaturity. This is about becoming like a little child. Little children are innocent. Little children are without deceit. They're trusting and they obey. Some of you say, now hang on a second, you're a parent and you know good and well that your children have not obeyed all of the time. I understand that totally. I also understand that there are, uh, there are the, there's the rule and then there is the, the exception because I have, I have dealt with, I have helped families uh, deal with some very strong-willed, defiant children. So I understand. I understand that part. But we also must understand this part. 
about an innocent child coming without judgment, coming without fear, coming without doubt. A child, a little child has faith. They don't even understand everything they have faith in. They just have faith. They have hope. They, they are loving. They expect great things. Little children expect great things. They, they expect to do great things. I look back in my own life whenever I was a little child and uh, I was playing basketball in our backyard in Fort Smith, Arkansas. And, and whenever that was in the day when Wilt Chamberlain was such a great player with the Los Angeles Lakers. And so I would make a basket and I would, you know, refer to myself as Wilt Chamberlain. Well, uh, it didn't take me very many more years later to realize that there was absolutely no way that I could be, even though I thought I could be an NBA player. Uh, a few years later, I realized I was way too east and west and not enough north and south. That was never going to happen. I was not coordinated enough. I, I did not have that ability. The NBA was never going to be in my future. But at that point, as a little child, the expectation that I had, the dreams that I, I had, it was, it was in, that, in that childhood mentality that I believe that the Scripture is speaking of. The challenge that I would have for some adults would be this, in speaking about the kingdom, in speaking about growing in the kingdom, my challenge would be, why don't we grow up and become a child? You say, that doesn't work. That doesn't fit. You, you don't grow up to be a child. In, in this part about entering the kingdom of God, we must grow up and be a child. Children need help. There are some things that children will never touch unless someone lifts them up to touch it. There are some things children will never see unless someone lifts them up to where they can see. There are, there are some things that, that they'll never see, not only if you lift them up, but you also have to aim their head. There are things that, that children can never do. They can never understand unless it is explained to them. Explained to them. It has to be. They're, they're children. There are, there are many times that what they want is not what they need. If we gave them what they wanted all the time, their teeth would probably rot out by the time they're 10 or 11 or 12. They, they need to be told at times when to sleep and what to eat. And, and their, their formative years of education, that's not their choices to make. That's our choices to make. We can't leave little children unattended. It's not a matter of if they'd get in trouble, it's just when. Because they are little children, they do not understand. There's a reason why that when they said, for Jesus, teach us, teach us to pray, and he started off, our Father, our Father. 
And, and then it went on down to give us this day our daily bread. He was not speaking about physical bread there. It was, it was, it was spiritual. It was revelation. It was what we needed from the Word of God. And so I just say we've got to understand that we're not going to enter the kingdom unless we become a little child. So grow up to you, to me. Let's grow up and be a child. Let's quit trying to be the answer all the time when we don't have answers. Let's, let's, let's go to him. I, I, challenge you, I challenge you to start your prayer off in the morning with, Father, I praise you, I thank you, magnify him, glorify him, and then why don't you just tell him, I do not have a clue. I cannot handle my life. I do not know what to think. I do not know what to say. I, I do not know what decision that I need to make. Next, Father, I need your help. I challenge you. I've been doing this for a few months now, and it is absolutely amazing the difference that it's making in my own life now that I am focusing on coming to him as a little child. So we see in kingdom entry, we must be born again. Righteousness plays a role. Doing the will of God plays a role and becoming a little child. But there is just two more. Now, every one of these, every one of these, um, I may go back at some point and either do a podcast on each one of them or teach an entire lesson but I just wanted to launch this thought to the New Life family about kingdom entry. Let's talk about riches. It's something that we don't want to talk about. As a matter of fact, this one and the last one are really the two that that we do not want to talk about. But if we're going to look at what Scripture says, we have to talk about it. Riches. Now, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they are, they all three deal with this, but we'll delve into Mark's record um, uh, tonight, and you can find uh, the the others' references uh, there in the Word of God. But let's let's just deal with Mark. Mark chapter ten, verses twenty three through twenty seven. Jesus looked around about, saith unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? Let me stop right there and add this. Please don't make the mistake of immediately thinking now about someone that has, that has a lot more resources than you do. Believe me, in the United States, if it was ever all leveled out to where the whole world, where it was just all leveled out, we are we are rich if if we are living in the United States. So let's let's not just skip this one because we think that it's not talking to us. It's talking to us. Verse 24. And the disciples were astonished at his words because he said, How hardly will they will they enter? But Jesus answereth again and saith unto them, Children. Isn't that interesting how he referred to them as children? How hard is it for them that, here's the issue, trust 
in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. They were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, uh, Who then can be saved? Jesus, looking upon them, saith, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. So in other words, this is what I believe Jesus was saying. Riches add obstacles between us and the kingdom of God. I believe that riches are literally distractions and barriers, that, that our distractions must be realigned, our barriers must be crossed in order to enter the kingdom of God. 1 Timothy 6, 9, and 10 deals with it also. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. That's a study within itself if you, if you want to dig in there. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith. Literally, a love of money has moved people away from the faith. I have seen that in my own life with some of my my uh, relationships that I've had with people, I have seen this, this scripture has been lived out. I could put name after name on, on these, this verse, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through, pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So now let's go back again to Mark 10 and 23. Jesus looked round about. He saith unto his disciples, how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God. And we see that the issue is trust, trust. The question I would ask you, and I've been asking myself, in what or whom have we placed our trust? Who do we trust? What, what do we trust? I believe that trusting in uncertain riches the Bible speaks of um, is a trap. I was even saying before COVID happened that, that I was concerned that the church, the people of the, the church, well, we are the church, I was concerned that we were putting our faith in the economy and that we were already uh, deciding you know, how many more years and all were, were we going to have an abundance of money, an abundance of jobs, and all of these kinds of things? Many people had their trust in what the Bible speaks of as uncertain riches. We read that in 1 Timothy six seventeen. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. I know people who have riches and they're kingdom focused. I know I could give you names of people that, that they see everything that they have and, and they have an abundance. They see it all. 
as as just a tool, a vehicle to help uh, spread the kingdom. I know others that that the more money that that they that that came into their life, the more miserable they became. If you just want to look around at our world and uh, and look at the lives of the rich and famous, then you can you can see it. You can see it all there. If you read about their lifestyles, if you if you read about uh, situations in their life, we must get this riches thing right. It has a lot to do with entering the kingdom. So we see that kingdom entry deals with being born again and righteousness and doing the will of God and becoming a little child and riches. And let's end with this one, and it's it's the roughest one yet: tribulation. Tribulation. The pastor has been has been um, really leading us in this area uh, in several of his messages. He's touched this, and and just this last Sunday, whenever we were in the live service, and I was able to be at the one o'clock service, he was speaking of how he didn't hardly even recognize himself much uh, these days because of how he is viewing all of this Americanism. Let, let's talk about tribulation. Acts fourteen twenty two, Confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith, and that they must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. Nobody wants to think about this. I don't. Um, <clears throat> we really do not understand how this will be accomplished in our life as far as the end result. But now we need to be very careful not to confuse tribulation with wrath because wrath deals with the anger and fury of God. We read about that in Revelation 16 where the vials of wrath will be poured out one right after another. I'm not speaking of wrath. I'm speaking of tribulation. Words that help us understand tribulation um, are words like pressure, pressure, pressing together. I believe that we can all uh, we can all relate to that in one way or another. Words also that explain tribulation in the Bible are affliction and anguish, and persecution and trouble, and burdens and oppression, distress, straits, tribulation, tribulation. I know people who are going through uh, different forms of this, and they're doing well. Uh, I know that there are others that, that are not faring well at all with this, and we do not know what we still have to face. But we know that the Word says, He that endureth to the end shall be saved. We, we have that word, endurance. I do not have time in this lesson to deal with endurance, but the Bible's very clear. This is why we must not become entangled, entangled with the things of this life. Entangled. Entanglement will, will um, move us off course. And so we must lean in to God even more, His Word, prayer, Connecting with, with those that can help us move through these times of pressure because we will all have tribulation. 
Where does this come from? It comes from the kingdoms. The kingdoms being in conflict. The kingdoms are in conflict. They have been since the beginning of time, and they will be until the end. Therefore, we must arm ourselves. See, kingdom, we can talk about the kingdom, but we must understand the kingdom is about the king and his domain. And kingdoms are in conflict. And so when we speak about entering into the kingdom, our entry into the kingdom, kingdom entry, I just want to bring to our minds these thoughts, and hopefully you will think more about them in the next few days, about being born again, about being righteous, about doing the will of God, not just hearing it, about becoming a little child and realizing that we have to have his guidance, about riches, not someone else's riches, but, but what are we doing with what we have, and then, and then tribulation. I believe that this is not a time for any of us to wish for what was, but I believe it's a time for us to embrace what is. I believe it's a time to embrace what the king wants to do in his kingdom now, and I believe it's a time to pray for kingdom alignment, for kingdom alignment. I'm speaking to people that I do not know who you are. I do not know what you are facing. But I would, I would just say, in, in these days that we're in, definitely days that we did not see coming and, and we really do not have a grip on, why don't we focus more on getting a grip on the kingdom and align our lives in a manner that, that the king knows that we're on his side, that we're studying his principles, that, that we are doing what he says for us to do. And in that manner, we will then be able to see people brought from the other kingdoms into this kingdom. I believe that there is a kingdom call that has gone forth. I believe that we are in uh, the days of, of a great kingdom call. And I just pray that you will answer that call. And you will answer it with everything you have in you. And you will allow King Jesus to be the king of your life. And we will focus our life on expanding his kingdom. I pray that God will bless you. God is with us. He hears us. Go with the king. Because there is safety with the king. And there is safety in the kingdom. May you be blessed tonight.